0: up everybody thank you all for joining me in the latest mortcast part of the csg and mhs network i am of course your host jeff morton we did it folks <laughs> we did it denver nuggets have won the nba title beating the miami heat 94 89 in game five at ball arena man a lot of emotions um i would be wrong if i didn't say i didn't woohoo and cry a bit <laughs> in fact uh i did it again I, I poked my head out the door and went woo woo you know you know it screamed and uh people outside were celebrating and stuff like that there's a really big celebratory uh you know it goes without saying but there's this big people around the street in my neighborhood, uh, just, uh, out enjoying the Nuggets victory. It was was pretty amazing. Um, I don't know. It's been a while since I've felt like this. Probably the last time was the Broncos title in 1998. Um, and back then the Nuggets were, uh, what I would describe as pathetic and (laughs) something like that seemed very, 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 very far out of reach. Um, and 25 years later, the Denver Nuggets, uh, finally break through after 56 years, uh, winning a championship. And it's, it's just hard to believe it's, I'm flabbergasted. There's so many things that have gone through my mind. It's second half of the podcast. I'm going to address my own history with this here and give some context to why I'm, I'm probably you don't hear a lot of uh, it's not lack of enthusiasm but I'm there's a tinge of melancholy going on here. But first, I'm going to talk about the game. Of course, you want you say Jeff, I want to hear about the game. So, um, interesting game in that the Nuggets were obviously from the from the jump very jittery. Um, closeout games are hard, and the Nuggets had gone through obviously three previous series where they closed out other teams. But this was obviously the finals, and you could tell that everyone but Jokic was really on edge and they could feel the weight of it. And it manifested itself in four turnovers and four possessions in the in the start of the game, which was insane. Luckily for the Denver Nuggets, the Miami Heat couldn't shoot. And well, the Nuggets were like twenty, oh, well, less than twenty percent, like seventeen percent on threes or something like that through the game. But if, luckily for the Nuggets, the the Miami Heat were uh, not up to the shooting task in this game, and it really was a. It felt like a game seven, and and and, and uh, tell people about game sevens. Nine times out of ten, they're terrible. Um, because it's sluggo time, every team is just pounding on the other team, each team is wanting, you know, their effort to be greater than the other team, so that often manifests itself in rock fights, and this game was definitely a rock fight. Um, I, en- and I enjoyed the game, to be quite honest with you. I know a lot of people didn't like the game because they're used to the juiced, ball era, modern offense, um, that, that we have. But I mean, this is, this is what I grew up on. Um, this is, you know, my teenage years in the nineties were spent, uh, watching rock fights. So it felt kind of nostalgic watching these two teams struggle to manifest their games. <laughs> and it really was survival. And in, in closeout games, and this wasn't a game seven, but the, the uh, closeout games turn to be turn out to be survival because one team desperately doesn't in this case, one team desperately didn't want to be eliminated and the other team is desperately trying to win in game sevens. Both teams are desperately trying to win. Um, and it was, it, it just went that way. Special shout out to, um, the much maligned in this series, Michael Porter jr. Um, his effort in this game is the reason the nuggets won this game. Full stop. Jokic was in foul trouble um in the first quarter, got picked up two fouls in the first quarter, so did Aaron Gordon. And uh then Aaron Gordon got three fouls in the first half. He came back in the second quarter and got and was and got his third foul. Uh Michael Porter Jr. stepped up big time, and it wasn't in the way that people really think. And you know, Mike one of the reasons that, and I've I've discussed this a lot, one of the reasons Mike looks worse than he actually is on defense is because he's playing a position where you have to cover a lot of ground and he does it with his length, but he's not fast. Um, He is a, he's big and people don't realize how big Michael Porter Jr. is until you play against him or you watch him in person. He's a big dude. And you look at him and you think, no, he's just like one long, long, you know, giant stick um who can shoot the three-point shot. It's really not him. He's the big dude. And as I've always said with the 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 at this point ridiculous Clay Thompson comparisons he's been getting, Michael Board Jr. is six foot ten, bordering on six foot eleven. He is huge. And comparing him to Clay Thompson is kind of a disservice to how tall he is. And it's also a disservice and it gives people a weird Um, it gives people a weird assumption about what he can do with quickness. And he, he just, he can't do that. He's big. He's a different kind of athlete. And there was a moment in the second quarter where I knew Mike was going to have an impact is when, you know, he came in after I think Jokic picked up his, or was this the first quarter? He came back in after Jokic picked up his, uh, second foul. And the nuggets kind of struggled um they just they they were just not hitting any shots and and the, and the like I said, the heat weren't either, but Mike came in, and there was kind of this moment of he didn't he maybe he hit a bucket, but it was more about his activity, and I think that 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 activity he had in late first into the second because I don't think he had a foul the entire game. I'm going to have to look back at the stats again, but I don't think he picked up a foul. That activity was essential, essential to the Nuggets winning. And then if he doesn't have the third quarter, he does, which I believe he scored nine points in the third quarter. Um, if he doesn't have that quarter, the Nuggets lose this game flat out. Um, he was assisting. He had three assists in this game. He had a nice dish, two nice dishes, one to Jeff Green, one to Jamal. Um and he did the, of course, the play people are going to remember is the behind the back through the legs, uh, uh, fast break where he got the layup. Um, then everyone, including, I'm sure, including Mike were surprised because, because of his drop foot, he, <laughs> he can't do certain things. And, uh, I was surprised he even tried it, but you know, that's Mike and, uh, got the layup and then he hit the three point shot a couple possessions later and Jokic screamed, that's when I knew right there is the Nuggets were going to win this game because because Mike was right there. Because I think he ended up with like 16 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists. That's a great night. Um, and, you know, Mike hitting shots can get to him. Not hitting shots can get to him. But he didn't let it get to him. Particularly the last two games. The last two games, uh, I would say Mike. He only had 11 points in the last game, but you could see he was attacking and doing other things. Same thing with this game. You know, he's he had that he has that one that one-handed push shot, which is unblockable, and which is always going in. And Mike, if you're listening to this, you're not. Uh, do that shot more, because that is a that is a bag shot. Okay, just keep that in mind. That is a it's in my bag shot. So it's just just. Keep that in mind because he really broke that out in these last two games. That one-handed push shot is something that he can add to his arsenal that will set him apart. Regardless, Mike doesn't have that stretch. The Nuggets don't win. And he really was, you know, Jokic had, I think, like 28 and and 16 or something like that. Um, And aside from Jokic, he is the reason they won. Game 5. And shout out to Michael Porter Jr. Um, the MVP of the series is of course Nikola Jokic. What can I say about him? We've talked about him a lot. He is the best player in the league um, and he really kind of even though he had foul trouble, if he didn't have foul trouble, he could have ended up with you know, another 30-20 game. He really was coming on that again. The, the Heat just couldn't really do anything with, uh, with Jokic. They couldn't they couldn't Exploit a weakness with him. Um, they were very deficient in other areas. That some other teams say like, N- the, I'm going to look back on this, folks, and say that the Minnesota Timberwolves probably guarded Nikola Jokic better than anyone in these playoffs, and they were the first team they beat, and they beat him in five games. All right, but just think about that, because the Lakers th- thought they had unlocked something with Rui Hachimura. Um, But what happened was Jokic was still Jokic, and then he turned Anthony Davis into mincemeat in the two games in L.A. Um, really, the team that guarded him best was Minnesota, believe it or not, and they were the eighth seed that the Nuggets were playing in the first round. It's, it's pretty mind-boggling to think about, and Jokic's numbers in that series were great anyway. But Jokic is Jokic, man. He's the best player in the league. And when you got a guy like that, who's very unselfish and, um, he wants this team to be a great, um, emphasis on team, um, then, then you're going to go far and you're going to be that kind of guy. And he's, he's, he is a one of a kind player. I mean, people compare him to Tim Duncan and I'll be honest with you. He's, he's a different player than Tim Duncan and, it is it is great to see. Duncan never did the assist. Duncan played in a different era, too, where um, you needed a guy to score 25, 30 points a game in, uh, via these boring as hell bank shots that he would get off the glass. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's enough of my Tim Duncan rant. Um, Jamal Murray didn't have a great game, but he had a great series. Um, Aaron Gordon didn't have a great game, but he had a great series. I mean, this this Nuggets team is a team and they played uh in unbelievably well. Um in a in a manner that I think displayed their ability to make this sustainable. And, and this is one of those things where people are going to people are going to look back at this and say this Nuggets team did it in a way that we haven't seen since the Bulls. One of the reasons of the Bulls, I mean yes, Michael Jordan was amazing and he would dominate one-on-one and all this stuff but the rest of the team, particularly under Phil Jackson, had that team approach. So when they went into crisis mode, they could always go into triangle sets and everyone knew where to go. Um, one thing people misunderstand about the Bulls is that they didn't run triangle that often other than the two years that Jordan was uh, not in the league where he went to play baseball. Um, there is there's very little. um, um of that that they actually ran during a game i think i think it would be 30 percent sets they would run via triangle and it's usually when pippen was uh, doing the second unit stuff um but the that structure was in place to include the team and i and i think that's what people miss about those bulls is that it's very easy to over rely on on players It's like same thing with the shaq and kobe uh, um Lakers with under Jackson. You know, one of the reasons the the triangle or whatever concepts were brought in like for offensive structure are put in is because it, it what it does is that it involves other players. It, it it brings players uh into a sense of team even though there are you know in the Bulls case two top dogs and the in the Lakers case two top dogs. It's very much a um here's what we do in with the structure of the team and, and and you can see the nuggets doing that the difference is jokic runs at all the time um, Jokic doesn't care to dominate one-on-one. That's really what is the difference between the Denver Nuggets and some of these other teams. It's it's their best player is the guy who's the ultimate team guy. And I know that sounds cliche, and there's people who aren't Nuggets fans who are probably listening to this rolling their eyes. Look, I get it. I would roll my eyes too. Um, but it's it's in this case with Jokic, it's absolutely true. He he makes sure that the team is the team. And he clearly is the best player and he gets the most touches and he runs the offense and blah, blah, blah. But he is very clearly trying to include everyone. And that's rare. And that's what makes this sustainable folks. Jokic is the reason this thing is sustainable. And that goes without saying. Um, So congratulations to my Denver nuggets. I never thought it would happen after 40, well, excuse me, 56 years. um, And you know, I'm 45, and the entire time, you know, they they existed two years before I was born in the NBA, and uh, so the entire time, my entire whole lifetime, you know, look, I I never thought they would win. I, I mean, if I'm if I'm honest with everyone here, I just didn't think. It was going to be a thing. I mean, my friend Andy Feinstein would often say that the Nuggets will never win in his lifetime. And I think it's because the Nuggets never really had, other than David Thompson, in his absolute prime, which was in the 70s. Um, Nuggets never really had a superstar like that. Alex English was a great, great star, but he was, he was, he was not the transcendence that you need in the NBA because it's such a, an individual sport within a team construct you need a guy who's going to stand out like that and the nuggets never had it until Jokic came the second round pick that was was picked obviously during a talk about commercial i mean uh i the the second round pick who nate timmons had to i was sitting in the media room uh nate timmons had to nudge me and say the nuggets did a pick i had no idea he had been picked (laughs) true story i'm not really proud of that one either so uh yeah, Denver Nuggets. Uh, congratulations, congratulations. This is this is fantastic. I, I I was elated and cried last night. It was it was something I've been waiting for my whole life. And in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about my tinge of melancholy um and 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 indicate why this is different. And maybe it's because of some circumstances that have have gone with me throughout this time that I have been covering the Denver Nuggets. We'll be talking about that right after I talk to you about Belanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the area block there. Always online at bfwdenver.com. They, uh, Pinot, they got reds of any varietal, including Cabernet and Merlot and Malbecs. And they got varieties from the western slope of Colorado. They got Rieslings. They've got, um, Diverse Demeanor. If you're into really sweet German wine, uh, they got whites, obviously got rosés. Basically, they have everything you want in your local wine bar. They got a location in Fort Collins, Denver, and in Sonoma County, California. They make their own wines in Sonoma County, so the Blanchard family wine branded wines are all from Sonoma County. But if you're wanting the taste of look of Colorado, they got some Eastern Slope and Western Slope wineries that. uh, if you want to try those out and see how they see how they taste, uh, there's a good Syrah that comes from the western slope of Colorado. I would ask them about that. Um, but, you know, look, if you, you can go to bfwcolorado.com get yourself a, a, some of the swag that they got there or pick yourself up a bottle. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Lake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you Talk to him. Tell him Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. I started my journey with covering this Denver Nuggets team all the way back before the tens happened, and I was I, I used to write this thing called uh, uh, Optimism. What uh, was it Nuggets Optimism? I'm trying to remember. Weekly Optimism, that's what I wrote. And it was just my attempt to get under Andy Andy's skin, because Andy was a, uh, um, I I don't think he's more cynical than me. I think I was just antagonistic at the time, and I was 32. You know, I Why was I doing this? It's been a long time, folks. It has been a really, really, really long time to be doing this working for SB Nation for 7 years and 8 years and just um, fighting uphill um, against a company that you could at that at that time you could best describe them as disinterested and it was it's been it's been surreal to think about because of this nuggets victory how what the journey has been like you know adam i brought on to denver stiffs in 2015 i think i don't know it was it was 15 it was 2015 and I, I remember talking to him at uh, a Barnes and Noble in Thornton and just trying to, because we had some issues in the past, um, just to make sure that you do things like that to make sure these people aren't insane. And uh, Adam was very much not. And I remember bringing him on. And I at that time, I had no concept of what Adam would do once Nate left, because shortly after we brought Adam on, um, Nate left, Nate Timmons. And, um, it left Andy and I in a, in a pretty big lurch because we, we depended so much on Nate to do things that we just did, couldn't do. And, um, there was a fateful meeting in September of of uh, 2015 where basically Andy and I said you can you can be the editor of the site and Andy and I will just be the uh, proprietors Um, and we were the we were the the overlords um, and we just watched and basically made ourselves emeritus on the site I'm telling you all this because what happened after then was that it took someone with a vision of of success to turn Denver Stiffs into something that it wasn't under Nate, Andy, and me. Essentially, what we had done is that we had taken things as far as we could. And what the reason this has made me think of this is because sometimes we need to be reminded that we did something very specifically for the love of what we do. And... My intention when Andy called me way, 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 way back when to see if I wanted to come on to Denver Stiffs was just to do something to bide my time. And honestly, I didn't think it would still be a thing 14 years later. I honestly, I honestly did not. Um, And the Nuggets winning this championship has made me think about time and it has made me think about about what it takes to get there. Um, blogging in 2009, 2010 was completely different than it is now. Um, we had to fight for um there, <laughs> there was a time where even aggregating the Denver Post articles would result in a terse email from the uh, people at the Denver Post. I hated aggregating. All three of us hated aggregating, so we concentrated mostly Nate, Timmons, Andy Feinstein, and myself on writing original articles that were good. With that, is essentially what we wanted to do. Nate was different with his zany outlook on life. Me, with my historical perspective. Andy, with his wry cynicism. We, we all, we all strive to do our own thing. It was niche. We were. It was very Gen X even though Nate's not a Gen Xer we it was very it was very Gen X blog we we were doing something relentlessly ourselves and it was pretty cool it was never something that was ever going to be successful in that sense but we did start the Stiffs Nights out which began in February of 2010 we did start um many of the things that are staples throughout uh the the entire media landscape now and it's something that um I don't know. It is something I look back on and I think we accomplished uh, something that was pretty cool. It just was never going to be under our leadership, something that was successful. And another thing that we didn't really think that would happen was the Nuggets ever winning a title. This was always going to be a, a labor of love because the Nuggets always made you work for things. Um, and even after we became credentialed, um, you know, covering the 57 win no team. And then I would do practices. Nate would be do practices and games. And then comes to the Shaw years and it got real depressing real quick. And I, and I went to every game, both of the Shaw years at home. I went to every game and I went to every practice and, mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it, you don't think that it's going to turn into something and bringing the likes of Adam Marez on and, and having him being able, once Andy and I uh, had decided that we couldn't do it, once him taking it to a different level was key to the growth and where media is right now. But this isn't going to be a, an exploration of what the way Denver media is. It's just an exploration of me thinking I never really thought I would be here. Um, I, I exclusively do two podcasts now, this podcast and the Gen X show. And I sort of cover the Denver Nuggets. I haven't been credentialed for two years. I am a I am a back to where I was in 2010 and it is it is weird to think about and this championship that the Nuggets have had right now has made me sort of appreciate all the hard work that I did, Andy did, Nate did back at a time when I mean you you had two blocks it was Denver Stiffs and uh um on the True Hoop network you had Roundball Mining Company which was headed by Jeremy Wagner who was the originator of Pickaxe and Roll back in 2007? And you had Joel Rush, uh, Charlie Yao, later Kalen Um but it was the small community. There was basically two. And True Hoop was used to be the leading blog network, and then uh, ESPN just stopped caring about it. It was really weird, um, but it was it it just wasn't we 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 were never going to be successful under us and it wasn't the point we were covering the Denver nuggets because we liked covering the Denver nuggets this team that is exceedingly frustrating as in it has a very lackluster history that i hope i've imparted to people tidbits of but we tried we did our best we tried to give people Uh, a good angle on things in a very professional way that was unusual for bloggers at the time. There's a reason that bloggers were not respected by teams or media outlets. We did that. And if you would have told Jeff in 2009 that the Denver Nuggets would be winning the title, I would have said you were nuts because even with the peak of the Mellow Era, I never really bought it. And now it's surreal to think about after all these years and after all the hard work where we are right now um i think i kind of want to say this cuz I, I was bringing this up last night as after the nuggets won and i i cried a little you know i knew this would i knew this would probably hit me emotionally give a shout out to Andy Feinstein give a shout out to Nate Timmons um those guys even put in even more hard work about on this than i did we came about in an era that wasn't favorable to making this sort of thing a career and how I have lasted this long I could not tell you guys I just cannot tell you how maybe it's just sheer stubbornness and my desire to be a contrarian that has kept me going despite I mean the CSG audience is loyal I get I get the same downloads I did Five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, I get the same downloads. You guys are loyal as hell. And I love all of you for still listening to CSG. I'm constantly grateful because I reward you with my monotonous tone and my history lessons. And obviously there is a there is an audience there for that. But looking back on it, give kudos to Andy Feinstein. Give kudos to Nate Timmons not necessarily me, I'm still here, but give it to those two guys who poured their heart and soul into, at the same time I was at Denver Stiffs, into something that was hard to do, was an an extreme labor of love with a team that never rewarded us and gave us constant heartburn and angst and headaches the good vibes right now are worth the, the the hard work we put in back then and the 35 years I have spent watching this team. It, it's completely worth that. It's made me think about it. But give it up to Andy and, and Nate and also to Ross Martin, uh, who is still on assignment. Um, he's out at the uh, local glasses factory getting some frames fixed uh he'll be reporting on that eventually when he gets back. Ross also really uh he had a vision of CSG that that and he was ahead of his time and Nate and I did not listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> we have said this before and Ross was Ross is the reason there is even a CSG and uh that I could not give enough compliments to that guy and his vision that that Nate and I fought because we didn't have the foresight to see into the future like he did so shout out to Ross Martin for this because we we at this point are just seeing something that we never thought would happen and kind of wish those guys were around right now to talk about this and you never know maybe here in the very very recent uh, future I'm going to be having those guys in the podcast again you never know All right, the Denver Nuggets have won the 2023 NBA Finals. Give yourself a pat on the back, Denver. It's been a long time. It's been a very painful time, but it's been a long time. This Denver Nuggets team is special, and this team could be making a big-time run here with multiple championships. That's what I believe. I've never been so confident in in a Nuggets team ever. They're dominant, and they are doing it the right way. And as long as Nikola Jokic wants to play, this Nuggets team will always be a contender. And when you think about that and you think about the Nuggets history and all everything that they have gone through, just think about how amazing that is and how grateful we all should be right now that we have the opportunity to watch this and see a Denver Nuggets team that is easily probably right now the best team in Denver sports and the best team in NBA in the NBA. Alright, thank you all for joining me on the latest uh, CSG. I might might be taking a break here. I have recorded a ton of podcasts. I have yet decided this. Um, I've been on an when there hasn't been games I've been on an every other day schedule I might stick to that I don't know I might take a short trip to see my mom I don't know so uh I will see about that if not uh, I will let you know on twitter at jmorton78 if I'm going to be taking a short break Uh, otherwise uh, I will see you in the next episode